Hello, June 9th, 2021. This is the Colonel Hector Bravado. Here with... El, el Rey de la Playa. El que se llama Juan Alberto de la Roca. El que no va a parar hasta que se termina todas las cosas. Y todos los que están echando mierda se van a la vuelta. Welcome to Breakup Gaming Society, home of Southern Colorado's and America's least responsible board game group. Uh, I am your host, the Colonel Hector Bravado, here with... Uh, my name is Juan Alberto de la Roca. I am a uh, five-year resident of Southern Colorado, and uh, we're here to play a little Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, and yeah, and one of the things that excited me, first of all, in, you know, since we moved the command post down south here, Juan is one of the handful of people on in this town that I would call a true homie. When I was house hunting, uh, Juan would let me crash his place once in a while. It was a nice, it was a nice introduction to the city, and I'm also always very keen on supporting you know local creative ventures by my neighbors. Mine is one, but I like I wanted to feature Juan's today because it's not based on narcissism or self abuse. Juan, why don't you tell us about this thing you just launched? It's very cool. Uh, so yeah, we um, just put together a by we is myself and a couple of other partners uh, from Denver. Um, I used to live up in Denver, and um, prior to moving down here, that uh, we're friends of mine in the advertising marketing world, and we put together a gravel adventure field guide for Trinidad, Los Angeles County. Uh, it's a book. That 64 pages and highlights a lot of the gravel cycling opportunities that uh, start and end in downtown Trinidad. Um, you know, Trinidad has obviously been a place that's um, gone through a lot of boom and busts, but right now it's in a boom phase and cycling, outdoor recreation is playing a big part of all of that. And so this project came along and it was an opportunity to put together a guidebook that would introduce people to the region, its history, and its um, culture, and so I took it upon myself to put together a team, and we put it out, and uh, it's kind of funny, it's got a little bit of trivial pursuit aspect to it, too, like, I've always been a, uh, so I got my undergrad in college in history, it was the one subject that always fascinated me, so trivial stuff was always, like, my thing, because I could remember things fairly well, and I could put them in the context of stuff, so trivial pursuit's always actually been one of my favorite games, because it I don't know. It's just kind of plays that history card a little bit. Trivia games are fun because sometimes we're like water bugs, just skimming the surface of our own consciousness. And sometimes those games are amazing because, like, wow, I didn't know all that shit was still sitting in my brain somewhere. Um, and and one thing, this booklet, I want to vouch for it. Um, it's beautiful. It's well written, well laid out. It's alluring. I'm not the kind of person that gets on my, gets on a bike, but this pamphlet dog it makes me want to. Would you tell us a little bit more about Far Quarter, the larger venture behind it, and how people would get one of these books if they're um, like, "Yeah, I want a guide to gravel riding." Uh, so, when I got here in 2015, I was also or I'm sorry, 2016 is when I got here. 2015 to 2016, I was on the road kind of building around an idea. I, I had been wanting to get back into the bike industry to kind of go back a little bit further. In the mid-90s, I moved to Boulder. I worked at University Bicycles down on 9th and Pearl. 
and uh, then I remember later, that. yeah. And then later ended up working at Turn Bicycles in Denver uh, for for a couple of years as well. And uh, so it had been a, an interest of mine to get back into the cycling industry, but I didn't want to do full on retail. If anybody's been in the you know advertising marketing world, they know that retail has changed dramatically. Direct to consumer. Uh, model is just kind of throwing everything uh, for a loop. So I wanted to create something that would be sort of an appendage to the experience of going to a place. And so it came up to do um, tour, uh, a tour side of the business, experiential kind of focused stuff around experiences, tours, rides, um, retail sort of oriented uh, concepts. And so it's something I've been uh, working on for the last several years. And you know, part of the thing about coming to Trinidad was is it didn't have a uh, cycling culture, didn't have sort of a framework, but what it did have was awesome history. And so Far Quarter actually borrows from a, a Spanish term, which is el cuartalejo, which is the far room, like it's the far quarters, the furthest part of... That's the, what this region was to the old Spanish yes, colonists in New Mexico. Exactly. And yeah. So this was the northernmost region of what was claimed by Spain. Um, and it was the least populated, the least understood, the least discovered. You know, our, our county's name, Los Animas County, um, you know, is, uh, refers to the soul. Uh, obviously, the Spanish were very Catholic, and the explorers that came through here. Oh, like Animas is in an animating spirit? Yes, exactly. Oh, because I always just think of, like, two exactly. people coming over a hill and go, fuck, exactly. dude, there's a so, lot of animals here. What do we call it? And then you have the Purgatory River, which is uh, its full name. Well, it's spelled in the French version. Purgatoire. Because of the French traders that were in the area as well. But um, it was a, a Spanish-claimed uh, region, but the river's name ended up being El... Las animas perdidas en purgatorio. Perdidas is lost, yes, right? Exactly. And the story Spirit, is, is spirits lost in purgatory. Right, is that, okay. Exactly. okay. So the story is, is there were a group of uh, explorers who had come up from uh, the Tau Santa Fe area, and uh, they ended up getting lost out in the woods in the wilderness. I mean, it's, I won't call it woods because there's a lot of plains with no trees around here too. But um, they were out in the remote backcountry and they never came back. And so because they had died out there, they were lost in purgatory. They never got their last rites. They were the lost souls. And so, oh, because they, right, yeah, they never so, got to uh, complete the cycle of Catholicism. I get it. Yeah, yes, totally. Right. And so um, the far quarter, yeah, it was this idea that, you know, there was this region that was least understood, least explored, least discovered, but it was also a place of refuge because, like, the Native Americans who were treated very poorly by the Spanish would end up fleeing uh, and going to this area that was El Cuartalejo. So El Cuartalejo refers to a region which goes from northeast New Mexico into southern Colorado, uh, reaching up to Pueblo, and then out east into Kansas. And there is a town called El Cuartalejo, or there's some ruins that are out in um, Kansas, east, uh, western Kansas, and it was a place where Native Americans had gone and fleed for you know uh, a period of time because they just didn't want to deal with you know what they were uh, living under in, in New Mexico with the Spanish. So the region like is now coming back around, and I felt like I, I liked this idea that it was a refuge, that it was a place that very few people uh, understood, but there was a lot to learn from, and so El Cuartalejo became the far quarter. Far Quarter Gravel is uh, a website that I developed, farquartergravel.com, all, all the words spelled out, and 
it is inspired by this idea that, you know, we are now in a part of the state that's like the least known part of the state, right? Like very few people ever hung out in this part of the state because, it's, you know, it's, right? It's funny. I have told, you know, I've, I spent, since 1983, I've lived somewhere in the Front Range Corridor. And I tell people I've moved to Trinidad. They think I'm talking about the island. They don't know there's a totally. Trinidad. If I fall and like stumble too many steps south, I'm in New Mexico. I've had people be like, do I need a passport to get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and if I remember, uh, one of the people who sought refuge here was the uh, Truckloda tribe. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure uh, uh, of that tribe, but I do know that, yes, there you were a lot of like... You might know them better by their full name, Truckloda, yeah. these nuts. Well, you know, it even goes back further. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a D's joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> that wasn't reverent. But uh, th- th- this has been probably the coolest, most thoughtful and informative intro segment that's been happened on this damn show for a long time. <laughs> In just a moment, uh, uh, Juan Alberto de la Roca, who may also be known during this episode as Wando Calrissian or El Rey, uh, El Rey de la Playa. El Rey de la Playa. Um, uh, we're going to talk a uh, drink she of the... She killed my father, prepare to die. <laughs> Cheers. Be back in a sec. Drink of the week, which, as you can hear, we're already into. Drink of the week. Yes, it's drink of the week, and as I alluded to um, earlier, we're we're just mixing some white Russians tonight. Um, we're abiding. Yeah, there are cocktails involved. We Don't are. jostle me while I'm holding mine. <laughs> um, so, so, so my brief history with the White Russian, I think when you met me, I was still in my just straight bourbon, straight mezcal, straight tequila thing. But uh, Wando, last winter, I don't know, I hit the wall with it. It was one of those weird COVID winter nights where you're all by yourself. And like I was draining a bottle of Dickel number 12 solo, and I just took a sip of it, and I was like, I want something else. So I've just been mixing up random vodka cocktails again, and White Russian is the drink I used to have. You know, and especially in the winter, too. Like, the White Russian is a great winter drink. Like, it just, it's got a, uh, uh, um, I don't know if hearty is the right word, but it just has, it's got a little weight to it. It's soothing, is it? Yeah, it's like, it just feels like, you know, warmth in in a way. And we're we're making ours with uh, pellet ice purchased from Sonic. I love the Sonic ice. Uh, Two ounce pour of Stolishnaya, one ounce pour of Kahlua, and a splash of half and half. I know some recipes call for heavy cream, but uh, it seems to be doing the trick just fine. White Russians is what I used to order when I wanted to keep drinking, but I was too raw-nerved and spun out for my usual choices. Like sometimes, and I can't do this any longer, but in the 90s and early 2000s, I would have... I don't know how I kept a career through all this, but I would have <laughs> I would have no sleep. Like, stay out all night, no sleep, and like trying to go to sleep at like 5.30 realizing it's not going to happen, just getting up and showering and getting into my suit and going downtown, work all day, and then meet my roommate again for happy hour. And I'm like, I need something. But if I smell bourbon, I'm going to puke. So I would order a white Russian and three, four white Russians. My nerves would be soothed and I could go home and sleep for 12 to 14 hours, which was uh, the thing. But there we are, white Russians, drink of the evening. I'm going to give you the Breakup Gaming Society toast, my friend. May you fight long and well. Igualmente. Salud. Game of the week. So when I asked Wando what might 
lure him. There's always a gulf between people who get passionate about the hobby space of the game and people who actually are board gamers, have been their whole lives, and just don't vibe on to the whole, I started with Catan five years ago and I own 200 games now culture, which is understandable. And I was telling Wando about the podcast. He's like, do you have Risk? I'm like, no, and I'm not playing Risk. He's like, do you have Trivial Pursuit? And I was like, no. Yes, I do. Here on the table with us is a copy owned by my grandparents. And Wando, I'm going to paint a scene for you about the edginess and dysfunctionality of my family. The last time I was playing this game with the people who owned it when they were both alive, they're both in the ground now. Um, It was boys versus girls. The boys were me, my uncle Jed, my grandfather Abe, and my uncle Jeff. On the other side of the table was Jed's niece, my sister, his sister, his mom, and his wife. And at one point, he couldn't be bothered to go over and see how many pieces of the pie we had. He just looks at me and goes, what do the slits have? (laughs) Yeah. Trivial pursuit with the Jacobs family. Um, And after Grandma passed on, we were out there in Chicago for a funeral, and I got handed this copy. And and we played it that night with my eldest cousin, Jake, and my, my wife at the time. We got really drunk in the hotel bar. Uh, my uncle tried to join, but I think he gets those two milligram bars of Xanax. So the last time I remember, he was like sitting there just staring at himself in the glass. He's got a cheese stick hanging out of his mouth. He looks like somebody's like shot him in the back of the head with a fucking nail gun. <laughs> but um, I believe I've, I met your uncle Jed. Oh yeah, that's right. Hey Jed, sorry for outing you as a wreck on a podcast that seven people listen to. No harm done. <laughs> but we're going to play Trivial Pursuit tonight, and we're going to see what sort of uh, s- stuff, knowledge from decades and decades past, is stuck in my head and in Wando's. So we might be back for a little game report. But yeah, game of the week is motherfucking Trivial Pursuit, the Genus Edition from 1980 something. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, a quick overview of the game Trivial Pursuit. Um, It has colors, it has pies. You try to walk around and know stuff and get pies, but the first part of the game is spending 20 minutes trying to pry the pieces that people wedged in upside down from the last time this, this was played when probably fucking Reagan was in his second term. Here we are uh, in just a masterpiece of early foundational strategic thinking. So far, Wando Calrissian has obtained one of the requisite six pieces of pie you need to get to the ultimate pie. I'm hungry, man. I am so hungry for this motherfucking pie. That's the kind of fighting spirit that will sustain you through a long game of Trivial Pursuit. Uh, Juan has correctly answered a question about sports. And on the opposite side of the board is my yellow piece. Uh, I nailed one um, geography question, which was really simple. <laughs> it was like... Just, just so you know, I'm the one who got the geography, you got the sports. 
had that backwards. But in either case, we're tied, which means right now, Wando and I are equally smart. Back in a sec. This is a fucking outrage. I want you to read this bullshit. Read that bullshit question aloud. All right. So what are the main four lines in palmistry? That, and that would be P-A-L-M-I-S-T-R-Y. Like I would know anything about 19th century pseudoscience. Um, and I'm guessing, uh, yeah, it's your lifeline, your credit line, uh, the, the line for the movie theater, and the line for the bathroom. Fuck you, Trivial Pursuit. Okay, just a little game update. Uh, I have just obtained uh, my green science and nature, and that was only for knowing what the term somnambulist meant. That's more of a literary question. But anyway, as it stands, Wando and I are tied. Uh, me with uh, sports and leisure and a science pop pieces, and Wando has his um, entertainment and geography pieces. And the, but the only really bad thing about this game is the questions I've been getting are so bad that he can't even finish them without laughing. He'll go, what does... <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be good. All right. Tense, tense battle. Back in a minute. Track of the... Get this barbershop quartet bullshit out of here. What the hell? Yeah, this is supposed to be a Dan, Dan Geritol boy band you got going on bullshit. here? Yeah, it is. Kind of stupid. Fucking Next. Garbage. Relax and take a seat. Sit back and play the beats and blast it in your Jeep. It's the track of the week. I'm ratchet in the streets. Talk trash to the geeks. Get smacked in the beat. It's the track of the week. Hey, it's Colonel Hector Bravado back with El Rey de la Playa. Mr. Wando Calrissian himself, who, because of the just superb human being he is and the excellent job he did during our informative interview and the fact that he laughs uncontrollably when he reads me my questions during Trivial Pursuit is in charge of Track of the Week. Wando, what are we listening to? All right, we're going to go with Rhyming and Stealing by the Beastie Boys. And the reason why I chose this track was because I actually heard it for the first time in a while last Saturday as I was driving around on the dirt roads outside of town. I just put together a uh, gravel event last weekend. It was 95 miles. It was called the Super Trinidad Rodeo. I saw it on LinkedIn. Yeah, and it went over two passes. And uh, it was cool because there was a, a good crew that came out for it. It was a small group, but... Um, you know, going back to having worked on all this stuff of arriving in Trinidad, trying to create a cycling culture and everything um, associated with the gravel adventure field guide that just came out, the far border gravel, all of that stuff. Uh, it was a little bit of a subversive <laughs> process. And so uh, the Beastie Boys have always been, you know, I'm of that generation that remembers uh, them coming out and uh, being and part of my my youth, my uh, my upbringing. The, and the uh, license to ill was the soundtrack of my senior year, and also if if I do not mistake, I think they sampled the drums from when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Do they not? Yes, they did, and that was all in an era where you could pull off that kind of thing without having to pay royalties, right? So that sort of like process, and you saw it too with the Dust Brothers. Uh, later when they did some of their stuff, Chemical Brothers. Yeah, um, uh, and, and, and Actually, you know, it's really funny because uh, the English Chemical Brothers, <laughs> they renamed themselves when they found out there was a... Because they were first... They came out the gates as the Dust Brothers. Right. And then and they, they, well, they worked on Paul's Boutique as well. And Paul's Boutique... It's not was, the same people, though. Um, there, was, there were the American Dust Brothers who did right. uh, produce Paul's Boutique. 
And then when uh, right. the Chemical Brothers do this, Carol's like, oh, we'll be the fucking Duff Brothers then, isn't it? But, the, <laughs> oi, that's some fucking Yanks. They got the same name. I guess we're the Chemical Brothers. And then one of them goes, fucking hell. <laughs> In some, the most British sort of way, um, but, 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 but yeah. So going back to it, though, rhyming and stealing, like the idea of changing the narrative through, you know, a, a thoughtful, creative process was what came to mind when I when I started hearing the song for the first time in a while, and you know, I kind of equated it to this whole process of creating the gravel uh, cycling um, scene here, in that I had to come in and kind of figure out how to rhyme, but also steal the narrative away from the past, which was very negative. So Splendidly done. That being said, let's play a snippet, shall we? I love rhyming stealing. Good choice. Um, I will never not love that song. Yeah, the Beastie Boys are like one of those for me. Like, I just like think of so many things of uh, youth growing up, and just they were like a, uh, a a consistent voice within all of those years. Whether it was skating, snowboarding, uh, living in Boulder. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that you know. But yeah, you're. That, yeah, I mean, and and basically, I you know, I consider that and Wu Tang and Tribe Called Quest. I call it the 1994 CU do- dorm room white boy hip hop starter track. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but you know, but the thing is, it's like right, like because the the Beastie Boys at that time were also they were the white rappers. They were like the question was, could they really be a part of that community and describe it? But like, even if you talk to like old school African American black hip hop artists in New York City there's a lot of mad respect for the Beastie Boys as well and and it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about the subversiveness of it all because yeah. you know and they were also Jewish too so they weren't like Anglo you know like, oh and and, you know, and you know, also they, uh, uh, nor were they street kids right um, uh, Mike uh, Mike D's parents were uh, well established uh, custom furniture dealers um, Ad Rock uh, his dad was Israel Horowitz, who was a famous playwright. Great. And MCA was a Manhattan kid. And, and, and uh, as you know, when they came out, they were a hardcore band. Yeah. Well, and it was like... Dude, but, it was, and you know why they couldn't continue being a hardcore band? Because their parents would let them tour. <laughs> and, then, then the, and then they're uh, reborn. And also, um, it's impossible to mention this album without mentioning the fourth beastie, the producer, Rick Ruben. Right. And uh, to your point that you made earlier, Chuck D of Public Enemy, who was also on the Def Jam label right then, he's like, he goes, you know, they were kind of clowns. He's like, but the beats were right. Right. Because of fucking Rick Rubin. And also, um, they were funny. Did you read interviews with them about that time? They were funny. Well, you know, I think they were a great example of how people, uh, especially guys, uh, evolve, right? Like you can... You can evolve. Like, I mean, they were pretty crude and, like, 
just very low brow and then well you remember they also evolved do you remember the they, first video that broke fight for your right to party right exactly but as they and as, my mom threw away my best point on me and and then the, well, the, they come out their second album with a bunch of psychedelic pimp shit with the the dust brothers right and the thing is is they evolved and they kind of became uh, voices for that evolution too I think a lot of people like learned about how to uh, evolve as people as a human being uh, with the Beast Boys to a certain degree yeah because, uh, yeah, because at one point uh, yeah by the time they put out um, the 94 track uh, what was Ill, it called Ill Communication came out in 94 yep. um, uh, the, they were starting to get into Buddhism but in either case um, right now Juan we're going to feature a second snippet from the song that is to you illustrative of the glory of the track so here we go we're going to drop it Alibaba and the 40 Thieves 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 Oh, hey So, you know, I have to say um, I usually don't think about this album much But every time I do, I'm glad of it Because it was a great fucking album Well, yeah, I mean, it was Again, it was in an era where, like, technology was coming into play, like, sampling, uh, and you had the personalities between Russell Simmons, Rick James, oh, not Rick James. Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Uh, the, do you know that he... The pre- stable of artists they were working with, Run DMC, like, everybody was, like, uh, Run DMC that. was Profile Records. Yeah. But everybody was feeding into that. Like, then there was, like, that oh. that playfulness. And, and here, you're absolutely right. Um, they had great fun with it. And even though I'm not one of the, like, the, uh, the Beastie Boys fanatic, their production remained so good throughout the years. And uh, and also, um, do, do you know that the same year that he that Rick Rubin produced License to Ill, he also produced Rain and Blood by Slayer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, he's done... His catalog of work is all over the place, like as far as like musical genres, artists. If you go back to his discography, it's like, oh my god, he was also executive producer on um, uh, Mac Daddy. Sir Mix a Lot. That was the one that had Baby Got Back on it. Well, he did that album too with, uh, with Kanye in the last several years. Daddy. Yeah, he did. But in, in either case, um, uh, Wando has chosen extremely well in, in picking fucking Ryman and Steelin from Beastie Boys' first album, a Def Jam classic. And we've already talked about this. If it were my segment, we'd be listening to the song right after this, The New Style, which I think is the best song on the album. But you know what? It's hard to pick wrong in this suite. Uh, Wando, great job. Uh, let's get back to playing Driven Pursuit, because last time I look at that, I'm up to four pieces of the pie, dog. You got three? Yeah. You got to put some work in. All right, uh, later. Okay, here we go. Game report. Colonel Hector Bravado versus Wando Calrissian, El Rey de la Playa. Nonetheless, um, right now, I have notched all but one of the necessary categories to enter the main chamber and win the game. Oddly pulling ahead of Wando, who uh, now has four of the six pieces. And Wando, it looks like the mic's picking us up now. How do you feel about the game up to this point? You killed my father. Um, by the way, I would never have uh, thought this would have been an outcome, but Colonel Hector Bravado just won uh, Lost in Space 
weak-ass culture question to uh, seal the game. Mira, yo no tengo un lápiz, pero la próxima vez voy a traer un lápiz y el lápiz me va a ayudar para escribir las cosas que necesito escribir para que tener los ahí de, de a punto cuando las respuestas son necesarios. Pero al mismo tiempo te voy a decir que te jodices. And there, you, and there you have it. And um, this is some of the things I like to ask the Latin guys. Because um, Juan, can I ask you a question? Sure. When I when I walk into a restaurant and all the Latin cats go, "Ay, mas puto," that means that I'm cool, right? No, you're just the biggest son of a bitch in the room. <laughs>